This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you here on, uh, we're recording this uh, noon on Wednesday, January 19th. Um, busy, uh, busy time for basketball. We've got a couple of big wins to talk about for both the men and the women. We got some returnees for football and some new guys coming in. We got Coach Abe joining us from the women's basketball team, Eric, later on in the show to talk oh, yeah. uh, to talk hoops. This is a big show for us, man. This is this is we it, listen. Hey, it's cold outside. It's basketball weather. Listen, this is an exciting show. We got the arguably the goat of women's basketball coaching history at UCF. Coach Abe coming on the show with the job she's done fresh off the win against South Florida. And then later, we got news of the goat of women's soccer back in Orlando. That's a tease, yes. folks. There you go. Yes. Big news on that, which we'll talk about. Bryson Turner's going to join us a little bit later. But first order of business is UCF men's basketball, Eric Lopez. All right. Last night, all was looking lost, was it not? Uh, UCF was down at the half to ECU in Greenville, 44-28. They were down by as much as 20 in this game. (laughs) They were down 19 with 15 minutes to go. And then all of a sudden, something happened. And UCF ends up coming all the way back. Darius Perry knocks down a huge three in the final seconds to force overtime. And then UCF drops 20 points in the overtime period. In five minutes of overtime, they had 28 points in the entire first half. They dropped 20 in the overtime period and come out of Greenville with a much needed, I think we can agree, 92-85 win over <laughs> ECU. Leading scores uh, for UCF real quick. Darius Perry had 19. Brandon Mayhan had 19. All of that in the second half in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Eric? Yeah. Bra- uh, yeah. Brandon Mayhem yeah. scored always 19 in the second half. Darius had uh, most of them. I mean, this was a second half. Everything everything yeah. was majority second half in overtime. Yeah. And, da- and Darius Johnson, who who I thought did the true freshman, did a phenomenal job of keeping UCF in the game when things were going bad. ECU at one point, this is what was ECU for much of the game was shooting 60% from the field. At one point, they made 11 consecutive field goals in this game. But then UCF, toward the end, uh, made their last six, and I think seven of their last eight, uh, in order to get the depth. What can you say, man? They needed this one badly, and they got it, and they figured out a way. You remember it was a few years ago where at the basketball court, they had the the, uh, roller coaster design yep. there just you know kind of tease a little disney kind of promotion or I, I whatever say, I, w- was. I would say that was uh that design was uh was polarizing to say the well least. they should bring that back for this team because that's what this team is they are a roller coaster up and down halves by halves you don't know what you're getting and i think the ecu game was an example of that they, they the first half of the ecu was kind of a continuation of the south florida the on Saturday where they just didn't get anything going offensively didn't really defend teams shooting the ball well on them and then the second half they find themselves down 20 and they get hot 
They get red hot. Brandon Mayhem, who I now will call second half Mayhem because all his great performances in his UCF career. Because Randy Shannon is gone, but anyway. Yes, that is correct. We need to replace. But he's a second half player, which is bizarre. I don't, I can't explain it. He can't probably explain it. And I definitely know the coaching staff can't explain it. He scores all of his 19 points in the second half, just like he scored 22 of his 26 against Michigan. Uh, and it's just, this team is wild. The one thing I will say, Darius Johnson, I wrote this on my re, on the recap of the game on blackandgobanneret.com. The big, the big positive, and I understand there's negatives, and we'll get to that in a second, but Darius Johnson, to me, is one of the bigger positives of the season. He is, the, to me, he's the future of this program. And Johnny Dawkins, even on his radio postgame show with Mark Daniels, said, Darius Johnson led the team in the second half. He came, he brought some calm, he was steady. And I think when he's on the court, Jeff, it allows Darius Perry to maybe relax, play off the ball if he wanted to, be more aggressive offensively. I think he just allows other guys to get better. He's one of those guys that players around him play better. And I and Darius and I think Darius Johnson's growth continues on the offensive end, career high 16 points and four threes, but his defense had some big defensive rebounds during the comeback, had a good defensive possession there, contesting the last second shot at regulation. This kid is the future. And I think the sky is, the reason I bring that up is the sky is not falling despite what others may suggest on social media, because this, look, it's not been smooth. Everybody would agree with that. But the cover is not going to be bare in the long term. And I think this team, it's a weird team. It's up and down. It may continue that way. But there's optimism because, again, I think the talent is there, especially with Darius Johnson with the future. And I think the fire. See, you know, people made a big deal of the C.J. Walker situation in the, in the, on the bench with about 11 minutes to go in the second half. I actually think that was a good thing. I think us as media, and I'm guilty of this, but us as media and fans, we make a big deal every time a player, an athlete, gets emotional on the bench or on the sidelines. And I say, I think this team needed it. I think we were all screaming. And I think CJ spoke for a lot of people. And I think that lit a fire on that team. They were down 13 at that point. They outscored them by 20. And maybe, just maybe, Jeff, maybe this could be that turning point and this team can kind of start going on a positive direction. Well, we've seen this before, right? You know, where it just feels like, you know, and, and not just with basketball, but with other sports too, all throughout the years. Like, you know, there's, you have a really talented team. And believe it or not, I feel like um, I was, I was reminded of the baseball team a couple years ago that was really struggling. Then they had this big comeback win at ECU. Remember that? Yeah. I think it was like two or three years ago. And what is it about ECU that brings this out in us? And, uh, and I thought that the really, really the key moment, you know, we were chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, but it just felt like ECU just in the second half, late in the second half, just had enough to just kind of stiff arm us, right? And they got a dunk by Alonzo Frink with about with under five minutes to go, to go up 10. And, you know, we had fought back to within, it was 8, 11, you know, we got it, we got it. In with Darius Johnson, or excuse me, Darius Perry hit a three to get us within eight, and it was down to single digits. And you're like, oh man, we're right there. We just need to stop. Frank gets the dunk, and we're back up 10. And it was after we had, um, you know, they had missed a three. CJ Walker had missed a three. Uh, Brandon Mayhead had missed a three after a turnover. It just felt like, ah, oh, that was our shot, right? So Frank makes that dunk, 
And then coming right back out of it, all right, Brandon Mahan misses a jumper in the paint. And back at John gets a rebound. And he swings it back out to Darius Johnson, who's not really known for his shooting, right? At least not yet. Drains that three to make it 70-63. All right? Get it back within single digits with four, about four minutes to go. I was like, okay, we're within single digits heading into the under four timeout. Now it's a different ball game. If we get one more stop, then you can get within five or four with a three. And then lo and behold, that's Darius Perry, jumper to cut it down to five. Brandon Mahan, jumper to cut it to three. Um, ECU was back up four, but then Darius made the two free throws. Um, Felton missed the jumper. We get the rebound, and then and then Perry makes that three on what was I thought was a real alpha dog play by him, right? Because he got the ball out on the right wing, and he's like, the heck with this, I'm getting it. And did you hear the ECU announcers um, were like, don't let him shoot, don't let him shoot, right. whatever you do, don't let him shoot. What did he do? They let him shoot. And Should've boom, tie yeah. game. You know, so I thought that there's, I thought the two, I and I, and I, Put this up there on Twitter. It, this game was the two Darius. It was uh, was the Darius and Darius show, right? They really uh, play well together. Yeah, I, I think they really and, do. That that two point guard alignment really works. Really works. Well, and Coach Dawkins even said, I think at the end of the game, the lot those five guys he went with at the end of the game: Darius Johnson, Darius Perry, Brandon Mayhem, uh, Walker, and Mbake. Mm-hmm. I think that's your closing five, and I, I get a sense he's comfortable yeah, with that. That's your crunch time lineup right there. And I think now the question is, from the staff standpoint, is do you keep bringing Darius off the bench, or do you just consider starting him? I don't. I think that's all. You know, who knows what they'll decide to do there. But I think you're going to see Darius playing crunch time minutes, and I think it's a positive. I think he can help this team win right now. I think he makes them better right now. But I think you also develop him for the future because he is part of the future of this program, yeah. uh, and I think that's significant. So I think that works in, in two ways. Yeah, he's going to be driving the bus real soon. Yeah. Um, Fifteen thirty-eight left in the game. UCF was down. Here's what I had. Um, UCF was down fifty-seven thirty-eight. UCF outscored ECU fifty-four twenty-eight the rest of the way. Uh, second half, Darius Perry and Darius Johnson combined. Get this: twenty-one points, seven to ten from the field, five of six from three-point range, seven of eleven from the line, and this is the two of them combined: eight rebounds, six assists. Just two turnovers. They had four turnovers combined in the first half and three steals. Um, that's that's significant contribution from your backcourt right there. And they really controlled the game. And it was also the stuff that they didn't do, or, or excuse me, the stuff that they that didn't show up in the stat sheet that was key because defensively in the backcourt, they finally put the clamps on, on ECU's backcourt right when they needed to. No doubt they did. And now, you know, obviously the question will be, can they, can they, can they just – carry this over to the next game and i think that's where why everybody's a little frustrated a little kind of stressed out you know it's like we can't you know it's a half to half why can't we see this more consistently mm-hmm. i don't know i all i can tell you is this is this has kind of been the group that's up and down like some people are saying like what happened this is not the same team since michigan no that's actually not true they're basically the same team we forget they were down double digits to michigan in the second half before Brandon got hot and everybody else got hot in the second half. This is who they are. And hopefully, I think the defensive intensity was there at the end. 
You hope they carry this over. Sometimes you need a blow up, a blow over. I, I feel like sometimes as a team, when you're too quiet, there's not that personality. That's that now that that, that kind of brings in some passiveness, some tentativeness. Sometimes you need somebody to just say something and yell. And I thought what CJ did was good from that standpoint. Not that you want to see that all the time, but I, I, I think that was, I think people are making too big of a deal out of that. I think sometimes you need somebody that can light a fire on somebody and that could lead, light a spark on a team. It's like you and I, we, you and I yell at each other all the time because we light a, a spark on each other. It makes us better. That's right. That's right. the goal. So, yeah, no, I, I think I think that's a good point. Because um, you, could, you could tell just looking at CJ, I think somebody had some video from courtside from that because it happened during a break. But, like, CJ, it just... I, he had a look on his face. It was just like, I freaking had it with us playing like this. Correct. Yes. Yes. And 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 to be honest with you, I thought that he was right. The rest of us, you know, I think felt the same way. Like, how could this be happening? And everything flipped in that minute. And by the way, did you notice who was the guy who came over to him and said, hey, all right. We're good now. We understand. Let's go. Darius Johnson. Darius Johnson. He's a steady That's a guy. True freshman. Correct. He's that. a steady guy, and that's a lot of why BJ I'm excited Taylor about the future. In that kid. Correct. Don't you think? Correct. Agreed. Yeah. Well, agreed. One hundred percent with that. Yeah. That's so, all right. So let's let's look ahead now. Now, look, now, I know you're going to be like, "Yeah, this doesn't matter right now," but we have to update it anyway. In the net, UCF is they actually moved up seven spots from 85 to 78. Part of that was because of, believe it or not, Miami moving up 16 spots. <laughs> that that Miami win looms large. Well, because Miami destroyed North Carolina. That's yeah. why. Boy, you want to talk about a team that's up and down. Miami loses to Florida State and Tallahassee in pretty dramatic fashion, and they beat both Duke and North Carolina. Um, all right, so the upcoming week for UCF men's basketball looks like this. They are Saturday, 2 p.m. at home against Tulane, which you can't really sleep on. And then Wednesday at 8, they're at Wichita State, which is just a, a, such a hard place to play. Um, I mean, granted, you know, we won that overtime game there um, last time out. But, man, it's tough. But, you know, we, let's talk a little bit about Tulane because they got Jalen Cook, um, who's averaging just shy of 20 points per game, second in the conference in scoring, um, and Jalen Forbes, who's averaging 15 a game right now. Um, uh, it, it, Tulane worries me, man. There, there's something about them. They're they, you know, they they just kind of have. I don't know if it's the New Orleans voodoo or what, man. They're but they're having a year where they're seven and eight overall, but they're four and two in the conference. So they've heated up as they've gotten into conference play here. Um, am I right to be worried? Well, yeah. I mean, when you lose to South Florida like we did, you have to worry about every game, right? Yeah, with this team, true. you have to take it every game. Uh, you one know, game at a time. One game at a time. Literally. Literally. But, you know, you make the Tulane. Tulane could, you know, Ron Hunter, you know, is in his, I think his second year there. Uh, uh, you know, they're starting to kind of figure some things out. They always play hard, and it's kind of starting to pay off in conference play. I feel like in the America, there's always that one team that – struggles in league in non-conference and then all of a sudden sneaks up on you next thing you know they're like in the top half of the league you're like how did that happen but they could be that so and they've given UCF some fits in the past so look yeah you have reason to be concerned because again we don't know which UCF team is going to show up uh, this weekend is it the team in the first half against ECU is it the team in the second half against ECU that remains to be seen so yeah I 
you, you have every right to be concerned. I think we all have a right to be kind of concerned of every game right now until this team proves over a period of time that this team has put it together. Yeah, and then after that, by the way, Wichita started the conference season 0-4, which also scares the crap out of me. Yeah. Because you're going to be playing them. We're going to be playing them in their place. Tough place and, to play, uh, yeah. Never beaten them. I mean, always a tough place to play. And you know that if that gets worse for them, do they have a game in between now and then? No, they don't. So they're they'll be ready. Yeah. yeah so they're gonna be they're, they're gonna be ready and they're gonna be ticked off. And um and man, this is this is a tough stretch. And then after that, guess what? Saturday, January 29th, at home against Houston. Houston is still there you the go. top team in the league, the team that's rolling. So you know, look, you this just is, gotta this put is, it. This is, a t- this is gonna be a tough, tough stretch. It is. It is, but maybe they like it better when they get challenged. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Gotta go game by game. But listen, everybody, we gotta all calm down. We gotta all relax here a little bit. Let what do you because always tell me about the college football playoff? The people let worry it play about out. Let it play out. Well, and here's the thing. I, I it's a good ca- comparison because I feel like we have lost our minds uh, in general, which I know is a shock in college sports. Let me give you a couple stats here. Leonard Hamilton, right, beat uh, uh, Duke the other night. Dramatic overtime win, started to figure things out. Prop in the mix to be in the, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Great coach, correct? Unbelievable success. be inducted into the Hall of Fame, no doubt. At Florida State. You know how long it took him to get FSU to the NCAA tournament when he got there? It took him a while. Uh, four years, four or five years? Seven. Seven seasons it took him to get to the NCAA tournament. He's made he is a made the NCAA tournament at FSU eight times. He's been there since 2002. He's made the NIT seven times. Three times he's missed the NCAA tournament. So he's actually 50-50 to make the tournament. At FSU, a big-time brand, they have tradition, they play in the ACC, which is the, the, the basketball mecca of college basketball, okay? Mm-hmm. Jim Larinaga, Miami, you mentioned him earlier. Having a really good year, have a shot to make the tournament this year. Took George Mason to the Final Four. I think you would uh, agree he's a very good coach. Nobody's questioning his X's and O's, correct? Yep, he knows what he's doing. He's been at Miami since 2011. You realize he's missed the NCAA tournament the last four years? He's He's made the tournament four times at Miami since 2011. What am I trying to tell you here? It ain't easy <laughs> to make the yeah. tournament. Hey, I'll give you I'll give you one more about Leonard Hamilton. All right. Mm-hmm. Some of us old school folks remember when he started out or he didn't start out. He started out at Oklahoma State, but um he took over the Miami program initially. Yep. Right? When Miami restarted basketball in nineteen ninety. How long did it take him to get to his first NCAA with Miami, which by the way, they were in the Big East at the time. But uh, what was it? Eight years? Five, six, seven, eighth year. Man, I'm good. My memory. Eighth good. year, they finally I'm got coming. it, and they went and they went three straight, three straight NCAA appearances under Leonard Hamilton uh, out of the Big East um, before he actually went to the Washington Wizards um, and then came back to Florida State. But that gives you an idea of how hard this is, man. In this and, state, too. In this state, that's why I singled yeah. them out. Basketball is not a microwave sport. Correct. This ain't football, okay? And I still think this team, if they were to make a run and make the NIT, I still think that's a successful season. You remember we did the basketball season preview show. I said 
postseason is the expectation. I didn't say NCAA. I said NCAA or NIT. And some people that might want to scoff at that that's listening right now, I got news for you. The football program basically in the last three years has played the basically the equivalent to the NIT. So don't scoff at it. So uh, I, I think we got to calm down. Johnny's done a heck of a job here, and it takes time. It takes yeah. time. And in basketball, blue bloods, blue bloods rule the sport. We're not a blue blood, guys. I'm sorry to break it to you. And not to mention the fact that in addition to this, Johnny and his staff are going to have to be dealing with a conference transition, which none of those Correct. guys have before, which makes it e- which complicates it even further. Correct. So, um, right, what's our win loss record right now? Right now, eleven yeah. and five. Really? Huh? You would think we'd be like five and eleven the way some people are 11, talking. Eleven and five, three and three in the conference. Yeah. Seven and two at home. So we're a tough team to play at home. Yeah. You know, like only- I said, I'm not saying you know. <clears throat> You know that we should be throwing parades i understand the frustration but i think some of you also need to relax and chill all right we're not you know it's it's not the end of the world we'll see what happens and see how this stuff plays out i mean they have a chance to win what they could still get to 17 18 wins and you know see what happens so 20 right? is still listen 20 wins is still in play sure easily in play right so let's just let it play out decide at the end of the year evaluate it take a context all right let's not uh you know this ain't you know it, it, it is what it is. So you just yeah. play it out. I understand some disappointments. It's frustrating at times, but it could be a lot worse. It could be, you could be other places like the, in the three hundreds up in the, that have no hope. So, <laughs> yeah, you could be, you know, Wichita right now in the middle. You could, of you could be Syracuse. You could be Syracuse right now. That's you not looking Syracuse good. right now. That's for sure. <laughs> we were yeah, waiting for Jim Bay. i retired. No, thanks for that. You know, you know, Jim's, you know, Jimmy B is checked out when he's got two sons, two of his sons <laughs> in the starting lineup. I just wanted to bring that up to set you up for that liner. I knew you were, yeah. you were saving that. Yeah. And now Everyone, you got the, yeah, throw I've been, there. I've been hanging on to that one for a while. All right. Uh, Saturday, 2 PM against Tulane ESPN U for that game. And then the Wichita state game, 8 PM Wednesday, Hey, for once we're playing at a reasonable time in Wichita. Usually we play them at like 10 o'clock. Remember we had that one game that started like 9 30, 10 o'clock out there one time? Yes. Yeah. It's called television. Yeah, television. Yeah. Well, this is ESPN Plus. See, look, ESPN ah, Plus does Early, work. baby. Keeps us at a reasonable, reasonable time frame here. Uh, ESPN Plus for the Wichita game next Wednesday. But Saturday, home, Tulane, 2 p.m., ESPN 2. Or ESPN U, rather. All right. Stick around. We get back. Coach Abe, Katie Abrahamson Henderson, joins us to talk about her team's resounding victory over South Florida, number 24, South Florida, and just give us some insight on her program and her philosophy. Um, they are, this that team's on a freaking roll right now, man, and they are fun to watch. And uh, it, and we saw it. They're 12-2, and 4-0 in the conference. Watch out, man, because this team's coming. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Black, Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We're back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you. And joining us now, the head coach of UCF women's basketball team. This team has been rolling this season and just came off of a, an un, a really, a really impressive victory by any standard against number 24, South Florida. They are now 12-2 and two on the year and somehow are still only receiving votes in the top 25, which I consider to be a hate crime, basically. Huh. Um, 
they they're coming off a 16 point win over South Florida at home. Uh, they are at Cincinnati on Saturday, the 22nd. Coach Abe, Katie Abrahamson Henderson, joins us here on the podcast uh, for the first time. Coach, how are you? This weather seems a little bit more to your liking, I think, <laughs> now this time around, isn't it? <laughs> no, this is not towards liking. I like the warm weather. Why do you think I'm here? I love the warm weather and the sunshine. I love it. I don't, so, I do not like the cold. So what you're saying is you had quite enough of it when you were in Iowa and then in Albany. Is, is that right? And Michigan State, and, and Michigan. State, and Indiana, and Washington. I mean, it's just I, I've always wanted to be in Florida and live in Florida. I've always been trying to get a job in Florida. It's just, you know, they're hard to come by. So I'm obviously I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be here. I'm lucky we're in Orlando. It's beautiful here, and it's a big city. And you know, my family can thrive and all the above. But I. I when it gets cold like this, it just brings back, no, thank you, ma'am. No, thank you. <laughs> well, I, well, I got to say, we are lucky to have you here. And I and Eric and I are both tremendous admirers of the job that you have done with this program. Um, and one of the things that we really admire is just your program's identity. You have established a clear identity, and it begins and ends with with defense only 17 teams in the history of ncaa women's basketball have averaged giving up under 50 points a game for an entire season you guys have come razor thin close a couple times and right now you're averaging giving up 48.3 points per game what is it about your defensive identity that you want the fans to really know about and understand when they come watch your team play? I just, I think, uh, you know, in today's time back, you know, I'm, I'm only 20, but back in, (laughs) I mean, defense has always been when I grew up, uh, you know, when I played and defense was, you know, the way that all the really good Hall of Fame coaches won games. I mean, we're talking Pathead Summit. We're talking, you know, um, Andy Landers. We're talking, like, some of these really big-time coaches. I mean, that's what I learned. Um, Vivian Stringer defense. I mean, I think nowadays people think because of the, um, you know, the way basketball, the three-point line came in, and now it's like, five out everybody jack up threes well that didn't change me and my core you know so I just think defense is controllable offense is just you just don't know who's going to be able to make shots sometimes you know you don't know how the other team is going to guard you I mean I just think that for us and for not just here I've, I've been this way you know since I was playing that defense is you don't need a lot of talent to play defense you don't need to be the best you know, post player in the world to play defense. You don't need to be the defense. You don't need to be the best shooter to play defense. Everybody can play defense, and that that's just if you want to or not. You know, um, I don't I don't think it's a huge skill. I think it's just you know something that's easy to me. It's easily taught. Obviously, how we do this defense is you know you got to have a good basketball IQ to be able to do it. But um, you know, our team seems to like it. I mean, we create turnovers off it, and it gets us easy baskets. I mean. You know, so and we're a different type of team, so I think that's fun too. Helps to have talented players that can also execute defensively, like Tay Sanders, who's the reigning American Conference Player of the Week. But 
What has stood out to her is her offensive game. She's become a go-to player for you offensively. Uh, has averaged 14 and a half points here in conference play. And just talk about her maturation as an offensive player because her defense was always there. But now she's got confidence with her offensive game. She's starting to shoot the ball like her sister Zai Lewis did for you. <laughs> Ooh, I wonder if Zai's listening because Zai would be like, no, she's not. Uh, it's funny because you say that because Zai was at our game and uh, she came in the locker room after. You know, and they were they were they were kind of giving her a hard time that you know Tay's starting to shoot like her, and she's like, wait, wait, hold up, no, she. <laughs> but um, you know, I think it really helped this COVID because you know we've only been able to we wouldn't have only been able to coach Tay two years, um, and I think if you watch our team and watch our players, like their development is something that's key to you know our program too. Like we we'll take you know players that aren't maybe the best offensive players in high school or, you know, can do all this fancy stuff offensively. We can develop them. I mean, my coaches do a great job of developing players, you know, and, and Tay's one of them. And Tay, to be honest, Tay's, Tay's in the gym by herself a lot. Tay's in the gym every single, every single night, working on her game, shooting on the gun. Um, you know, Tay loves the game. She wants to be good. Um, you know, so her development offensively has just come with progression. I mean, um, especially her outside game. Eric, she's been able to get to the rim. She's a transition monster. I mean, we actually gave her that nickname, you know, like she is like a thoroughbred when we get a steal or, you know, we get a tip or loose ball. Like she is, she is out, like she is gone and she is explosive getting, getting down the court, you know, and obviously you got somebody like Diamond and Lisha can give her those passes and it's just fun to watch. She's like a thoroughbred running, you know, getting out of the, the gate and going like, so that's, that's what she's to me is just like, woo, she's explosive and fast getting out. You can't stop her getting there to, in transition. So, I mean, I think that's one way she gets points. And next way, I think this year, especially, she's hitting threes. I mean, then that's credit to her and credit to Keish that they've been in the gym a lot. And this summer, her really staying here and working on her game and being in the gym constantly. I mean, players don't develop if they're not in the gym. Players don't develop if they don't work on their game. Players don't develop if they don't take that round thing and put it in the take the brown thing and put it in the round thing. They just don't, you know, I think, I think kids today think they can just play in a game and get better. They got to, they got to work at it. And Tay's, Tay's really worked at it. Speaking of players who've worked at it, who've really developed diamond battles. Um, I was joking with uh, the other day with um, KK Wright and, and uh -huh. Tony Bellario, your, your assistant coach on Twitter that, you know, Tawny's back there in the point guard lab, like a mad scientist, you know, putting, to, you know, assembling, you know, what we saw from KK over four years. And now that's moved over to Diamond. Um, what does Diamond bring to the table for your team that, you know, because cause she strikes me as kind of kind of like the alpha dog out there, right? Like, you know, the, it, it seems that everything kind of she's in control things kind of flow through her and even when she's not having like the best shooting day she still figures out a way to get the team where it needs to be what has she meant for your team not just last year where she really made the leap but this year yeah i mean you said it i mean that's she's like the the passion the dog the fire you know you saw the first possession of the game when we played usf and they got that trap and she just was on the floor and she was like had that 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 dog in her she's just like yeah like so 
passionate. You need people like that on your team. You know, you can't have, I would love to have a bunch of them, but you can't have a bunch of them, you know, because then, (laughs) you know, it's just a lot, you know, but, uh, you know, that's what she brings to the table. I mean, she's super competitive. She hates to lose. She's super fiery. She was absolutely like that in high school. Her high school coach was great. His, her high school coach allowed her to be that way, contained it if it got too far. Right. And, you know, and you could see sometimes in our games, it, it's borderline to get to get too far, but she's a fighter. She's, she's going to fight for, you know, her coach, a going to fight for this team. She's going to fight for her coaches. She's going to fight for her teammates. She's just, she is i mean we you know when we somebody that can replace that that part of the game obviously she's got a lot of talent she got a lot of talent um a lot of people recruited at our high school and um we just got lucky she really wanted to be developed and 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 stay close to home the thing that's impressed me about her and tay for that matter is they're shooting with confidence. It's one thing to tell them you've got to shoot because defenses like South Florida did they're going to play off of them because they want to help inside. So everybody knows the scouting report, but it's one thing to ha- to shoot the ball, but it's another to shoot with confidence. And that was the thing that impressed me this season, especially in the South Florida game. They weren't it, what, they were shooting with confidence. And when you shoot with confidence, it's amazing how the ball goes in the rim more often. But it seems like it they, they have the confidence now to shoot the ball, whereas in the past they would shoot it but have apprehension as they were shooting. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think that um... – you know, we've talked all year about we have to have balanced scoring. We cannot have one high score. We can't. And we're not going to be a championship team playing that way. And that's where you see championship teams. Everybody's a scorer. So, um, obviously, for offensively, you know, I, I am an offensive coach to everybody. I think that you just see defense. But offensively, we we really have – really worked on our sets and where they get shots and how they get shots and not just the guards, but the posts and how you're getting shots and, you know, and trying to be really key on, you know, this is where you're going to get the shot in the game. This is what we got to work on. Obviously every scouting report's different. So South Florida plays us, played us completely different than Iowa. Iowa played a box, box and one and triangle and two. So, whoo, that was a whole nother thing. And so did Mercer. So like, we know and we've seen for all these years that Tay and Diamond have been playing for us. If we're talking about South Florida, we've we've seen over and over and over again how he and he sees over and over again how we play them. So we knew that coming in. We had time to prepare for it. We had time to, you know, get their mindsets ready. Like in practice, we were like, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. Like we're gonna go get it. Desto was gonna try to get every rebound anyway, and so was Moss, and so was Brittany, and. And so is Tay. We're going to like, just shoot it, like shoot it, shoot it with confidence. And I think us saying that over and over again really helped them. Well, a player that certainly when she shoots has confidence is Alicia Lewis. We, you and I have talked in the past about you want her to shoot more because she's such a great shooter and she loves passing the basketball. But the thing that's really stood out to me this year is her defense. She had the 10 steals, which tied a school record. Then no one's done that at UCF since 1988 in the win against Houston. But she's really around the ball a lot. She deflects balls, and, and and it's not an accident that every game she's always at the top in the plus-minus category. Just what have you seen from her this year compared to last year? It seems like she's taken her game to a different level. Yeah, I mean, it's just time. And just I think that because she came in as a transfer, they didn't think those two Asian um, lists didn't think they were going to play last year. Then all of a sudden at the last minute, they got cleared and so boom you get thrown out there that's hard that's hard that's like a new system new everything so i think it just took 
some time to, for her to learn her role. Now she's a pass first point guard and she's a phenomenal passer. Her and the kid at South Florida, they could pass the ball. They, that is what they're good at. But obviously this game and her teammates, she's very unselfish. Um, and her teammates really are, you know, stepping up and saying, shoot the ball, shoot the ball, shoot the ball, you know, and there's times she's, she's still open and she's not, her eyeballs are looking to pass all the time. You know, it's not like she's just trying not to shoot. It's just when you have a uh, point guard head like that and you catch the ball, your first thing is to look at everybody else, not catch the ball and shoot. You know what I mean? I, I can't, I don't know how else to explain that, but she's, like there's times we're all constantly saying, uh, everybody get ready for the pass because Lish is looking at you and you don't even know she's getting ready to pass that, make that pass. So keep your eyes up, right? And then everybody's like, Lish is open. She needs to shoot it. And we're like, yeah, but she's also looking to pass too. So it's it's training her to be able to do both. And I think this year, because it's her second year now and her second year with, you know, playing and, and learning the new system, she's been in three systems, Georgia Tech, you know, Syracuse, now us, you know, I think now she gets the system. She understands the system. She's the only one that she only has to play the top. Diamond's got to play the top and the wing, you know, Tay sometimes plays the top and the wing. So, I mean, she is defensively, that's where she plays and it's the only place she plays. So that really helps her. I mean, she's got quick little feet. She does a great job of keeping people in front of her. You know, she's obviously smaller, so she's down close to the ball. And when the big ones up there try to put it down, she'll, she goes in there and, you know, that's what I used to hate when I played these little people that if I put the ball on the ground, they're so down there that I'm like, eh, they're, they're going to get it, you know? So she just does, she has great knack for the ball offensively and defensively. I wanted to ask you about your bigs. We can't, we, we can't let you go without giving them some love because you have this excellent three-headed monster up front between yep. uh Kava, Destiny Thomas, and Brittany Smith. And they've all developed so well in their own ways. It's, it's got to be a huge luxury having them all play in a way where it feels like they're all on the same page. You substitute them out, you know, in and out for each other rather frequently based on the matchups that you like. How have they each developed for you and, 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 worked toward making this team better uh, up front? Because I know that's a huge emphasis for you. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got senior, junior, sophomore. So they've all three have really helped each other where when Moss came in, she had Tolu, Jocelyn Massey and people that helped her develop too. And then and then you bring in um, Brittany and she got to play with and against Tolu and, and, and Moss. And then you bring Desto in and she's playing a day in practice. So but they're all different. They, and I like that about them. They're all different. They're different matchups, you know, destiny. I mean, you better box her out. I mean, not that you don't need to box Moss and Brittany out, but that is what destiny is going to do to me. She reminds me of Mononga. Like she's a, to me pretty soon, destiny is going to be a double, double beast. Like Mononga is for South Florida or uh, Dulce is, you know, she, she's, really developed her and developed her body and you know and, and gets the game now and to me she's a lot like Lish very unselfish like scoring is not her thing it's going to get that board and then scoring is her thing you know I think Moss is really on the low block developed way more than she did her first two years here you know like we've kind of made her that kind of low post presence down there after we lost Tolu and and Jocelyn, like we just, she, she, she's super physical, super tough. Her, she's got that 
she's got that mentality like diamond like she's really really tough she's really really you know fiery she she when the game gets down the line she wants the ball like she wants to score she you could tell you know and then uh you know Brittany's just a she's just a bucket like she's a bucket anytime any place anywhere she doesn't have any kind of Brittany just goes out there and we're like oh okay yeah you know she can she's so athletic she can jump I don't even think Brittany knows how high she can jump like she jump over she got great hands she got beautiful touch on the ball like so every game like Eastwickin does a good job with all of them and just you know this is how you're going to score this game this is the move you're going to make this game this is what we're looking for off of, you know, this play. And so she does a good job of really getting them ready for what, how the game plan is going to be when these guys go in. These, these teams are not going to W Brittany. So now you're free, you know? So this team's not going to, is going to W middle Moss. So you need to go baseline. I mean, those are the little th- details we give our post players every single game. And, you know, they, they, I love it that you call them the three headed monster. I think that's awesome. That's pretty good. Uh, I want to ask, actually, because we got a couple more questions before we let you go. On the trip to Iowa, where I don't even want to talk about the game, but just more of the trip, because that was pretty big hype. You know, Obviously, you're from Iowa. You played there, and I was following the, all the coverage leading up to that game, and people were, like, excited to see you back there at Iowa. The broadcasters, the media people were talking about you. You played there. I think it was Vivian Strager won the Big Ten title. Just talk about what was it like to be just back in Iowa, back in that building. I know, obviously, there's a game to focus on, but, I mean, you have history there. Yeah, lots of history, for sure. You know, I think um, I, 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 I had brought, been back there when I was at Michigan State, when I was at Iowa State, and when I was at Albany. So I've been back there a lot. My t- This team just hasn't, right? So I think, you know, I think it was really cool for them to, see and understand where I came from, where I played, you know, all that stuff. Not, not that, I mean, they, none of them think I ever played college basketball. So I thought it was, I thought it was cool that, you know, I knew they were going to announce me. I mean, I knew, I knew it's so funny. I, Eric, I knew everybody at the scores table. One of the ladies at the scores table was one of my teachers. And so I got to see her, you know, and uh, you know, obviously the players that play at Iowa have no idea who I am. And, you know, just like a lot of, players here and have no idea who Jocelyn is or, you know, but, you know, I, Lisa Bluter is, you know, I admire what she does there. Jan Jensen is an assistant that I've known forever. And, you know, their staff I've known, they, they, they have three staff members that, that have been at Iowa a long time after, you know, when I was coaching at Missouri state, when they were coaching at Drake together, Jan Jensen. And uh, I can't think of her. I can't think of her name right now. I'll think of it, but they've been there forever and they've done a great job. And, you know, I root for them all the time because, you know, it's, it's my alma mater. So, um, you know, I'm happy they're doing a great job and they've kept that program going. And, you know, from when I played there, Vivian really rebuilt it and got it to a really high level. And then Lisa came in and has just maintained it and, 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 and kept it. And the fans, there's still a lot of fans. When I played, there was, there was a lot of fans, you know, and so it was, you know, that they still had the fan, fans and everybody's still kind of going to that game yeah it's uh we have a heck of a relationship with ucf and iowa and coaches from iowa and coaching ucf it's a pretty good history you're a big part of that and you played for coach stringer you played i think also for coach andy landers too right like that's pretty good uh linear of coaches you learn from how much did you learn from each and how much of them is in your coaching now everything i mean everything 
I mean, to me, I mean, and not, not a lot of people mentioned him, but Bill Fenley at Iowa State, I mean, he's a genius. Like he, to me, he's like Gino. Like he is, he doesn't get a lot of credit, but he's a phenomenal basketball coach. He is a XNO guru. He is really good. They're really good, I, Iowa State. So obviously I learned from Andy Landers, like a lot of different types of defenses. Man, one three one. this matchup. I've learned, I learned a lot from him. Vivian, I learned you know, just a, a lot about like offensive flow and the presses. I mean, when I played at Iowa, I pressed and we ran 55 and we ran a jump. And, you know, I learned that from her and I learned, you know, kind of different situations and scenarios from her. Joanne P. McCauley at Duke. I mean, people don't mention her, but I learned a lot from her, the community relations stuff. I mean, and the matchup, the matchup we play now, we played it at Maine because she it's Joe Champies and Joe Champy. She worked for Joe Champion at Auburn when I at Maine, and then Bill Fenley to me is like I learned a lot of my X and O's offensively from Bill Fenley. He is a genius when it comes to offense. So, I mean, I I got all of them in me. I mean, obviously, no matter what you do, like you learn and you steal and you take and you absorb from everyone you're around. I mean, I learn and take and absorb from Johnny. I learn and absorb and take from games I'm watching on you know film. So as a coach, you you know, really learn from everything. But, you know, those really four coaches, I learned a tremendous amount of information from. And I never thought I was going to be a college basketball coach when I was going through all this. <laughs> so little did I know I was absorbing, especially when I was a player. I There's no way I wanted to be a college basketball coach, you know. So, but I absorbed and I didn't know I was absorbing information. What did you want to do if he wasn't going to yeah. be coaching? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I wanted to, I'm a fitness body person. I mean, I'm, I've always been that way. I, I wanted to like do something in, you know, sports related for sure. I, I didn't know if I wanted to be like run a fitness club, run a, run a country club, um, run a, you know, a, a big time NBA program. Like I wanted to be involved in some sort of managerial role, but I also, you know, thought it, I, I got into fitness training a little bit, but I knew there wasn't a lot of money in it. So, um, I was doing, I was a personal trainer, a GA and a basketball coach when I was at Duquesne, I was doing all three, you know? So, um, I just kind of got into it when I was at Duquesne and I, um, I really felt like women needed to be empowered. And I kind of just stayed in it because a lot of people always were trying to hire me to stay in it and keep, so I just kind of, I just kind of took jobs as they came and just, and then eventually I got a, my first head coaching job and was pretty successful. So kind of stayed with it. Well, we're glad that you did. Uh, I can tell you that. And a lot of the players did. You talk about, you're always learning. Last question from me so far through this point in the season, what's the one thing you've learned about your team that you didn't know going into the season? And what's the one thing that you need, you feel like your team needs to improve moving forward because you know you're going to be a target teams are going to go after you here in the second half of the year yeah I mean I to offensively has been my thing all year long and I you know I didn't know when when that would happen when we can start clicking offensively everybody and everybody being you know having everybody in the scoring category not just one or two people I, I didn't think it would be as quick as it started when it was with Tennessee and then you know, we beat Arkansas and 
you know, all those teams. I think we we got a we got some good wins early with this team. Obviously, it's a veteran team and everybody's back, but I obviously our defense was great. But offensively, if you're asking the question, I think we've got a lot better at it. But I I think we need to continue to keep getting better offensively, um, and and get get a couple more people. You know, Shania and Neela. Obviously, it's their first year again. You know, like your first year and these big game. I mean, we have a big time games. It's not like we've been playing games that you know uh, a lot of games have been super close so i i really want shania and neela to really um continue to keep contributing because that's just going to help us down the stretch well hey we you know how big of a fan we all are of you and the job that you and your staff and your players have done to this point it's it really is a joy you guys have made defensive basketball fun to watch which you know i think not you know it's it seems kind of odd but like but you like you were saying us to us earlier you know everyone wants to you know you know threes and everything but it's fun watching you guys play and the chemistry your team has is just a blast now you've got um the SMU game that was scheduled for today out in Dallas postponed yep don't know if there's going to be a makeup date um so your next game is going to be Saturday at Cincinnati tough place to play yeah, the hard news team, right? So, what's what? What are you looking forward to out of uh, you know out of that game heading into the weekend? Well, you know, I just think there's some games that I, I our team will always be up for, and it's Cincinnati. I mean, they beat us in the you know uh, what two years ago, three years ago in the conference tournament. Two yeah, the years semis. Ago. So it's been so they beat us, you know. To and so I I don't I don't think our team's going to forget that we got all those players back. So you know, and same with um, USF. It's the same thing. I think. Uh, I really wanted to play SMU because they're way better. They they have a whole new system. They have a new coach. They got a lot of transfers in there. They're they're a good team. They're a really good team. So I was really excited to play them. But um, so Cincinnati going there, it is a tough place to play. And um, you know, obviously, I if I we don't really shouldn't have to really get our team ready mentally. I'm talking mentally. Obviously, all all the detail and stuff we got to get them ready, but mentally prepared for that game because they know exactly what it's going to be when we go up in there you know so and we are trying to reschedule the smu we rescheduled the temple game already it's already set and we're working right now with dates to reschedule smu yeah i, I tell you it's wild even even we thought 2020 was wild. this year is even more wild with how to reschedule everything but we, listen coach we really appreciate your time and your insight um i covered coach landers for two years at georgia towards the end in the in the mid 2000s so i'm familiar with him and nice and, and I and I see kind of and and I I know I can see the echoes of him of him in your coaching and <laughs> um and it's just it's it's just a blast to watch your team and uh and I'll tell yeah. you texted me yesterday and said well okay <laughs> well I don't blame him because that was an impressive performance and here's to uh, quite a few more as we head down the stretch in the conference schedule next home game is going to be next Wednesday January 26th against Tulane. Uh, and then, of course, there's that Monday, January 31st, 3 p.m. game against Temple. That's a makeup from earlier that we're going to be watching. But Coach Abe, Katie Abrahamson Henderson, joining us here on the Black and Gold Banner Podcast. Coach, thank you so much. Best of luck. Safe travels. We'll see you when you get back. And, uh, hey, keep it rolling. We love watching you guys play. Keep it, keep it up. It's a blast. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Eric. All right, thank you so much to Coach Abe for her time, and thanks to Megan Herboth also for um, helping us out um, get this thing together. Um, Eric, this team, you know, we're seeing them 
Man, I hope we're not seeing them peak. No, right no, no. I, I think you're seeing a team with purpose. I think you've seen a veteran team that's back, that's hungry. You know, you even heard Coach Abe mention about the Cincinnati game. They still remember that loss in the semis from a oh, couple yeah. of years ago in the conference tournament. This team's playing with motivation. They're, they got the leadership. Uh, I think they're a team on a mission. And as she mentioned in the interview, defense, you can control defense. As long as defense travels everywhere. And this team is still one of the top defenses in the country with an improving offense, which, as she mentioned, that's the that's the, 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 the involvement of this basketball team. As we saw against South Florida, where they just shot the ball really well, Tay Sanders and company, and took it to USF from the opening tip. And uh, and that was tremendous for them to, to, to see that. So, no, I, I'm not too concerned uh, at all about this team. This team has got a swagger with them. They've got the leadership. I mean, you were there. Just I mean, the, that, that bench went nuts when Alicia Lewis did that step back oh and God. pulled the USF player. I mean, that's a very That tight, was like straight out of the and one mixtape tour, man. Yeah. That was, wow. I mean, that, yeah. that, was, that was the play of the game. We, we knew it was going to be the play of the game. It's a unified yeah, it was, team. Yeah, I mean, and and listen, number two in the country in scoring defense, forty eight point seven points per game, um, and sixteenth in the country in steals. Twenty now they do commit a lot of fouls. Twenty seventh in the country in fouls, a thirteen point eight a game, um, but they're holding teams to thirty four point seven percent from the field, and they're rebounding too. They're in the top. Well, they're an aggressive rebounding. defense. They're going to be an aggressive defense. You're going to f- try to get some steals. Sometimes you're going to reach in for fouls. So I don't really take it too. I wouldn't take it too. You know, I wouldn't get too caught up on the foul number there. Now, don't forget uh, the game that was scheduled for Wednesday night, night January nineteenth, postponed. And Coach A talked about it. Talked about it. She's going. We're going to try. And, she said they're going to try and reschedule that. It's so hard. It's so much harder this year than it was last year trying to get stuff rescheduled because there's no extra week where they can do that so <clears throat> most likely as of the this moment that we're recording this on wednesday uh the next time we will see them is at cincinnati on saturday uh and by the way they did get that temple game rescheduled to monday january 31st at three and coach Abe was talking about like how that game is early, relatively early on a Monday because they got to hop on. Temple's got to hop on a plane and get out of here. Right, right. So yeah, they get out, um, yeah, yeah. you got to get back home to finish up their schedule. So, but there's still lots of basketball to be played. There's two games against Cincy, one more against South Florida. Eric, the Super day Bowl Sunday. Valentine's Day, Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. That game. It's listen. If there's something we know about a Jose Fernandez coach team, it's that if you get them the first time. They're going to be ready for you. Well, and that next. rivalry, yeah, I mean, that matchup, it's always a, a great battle back and forth. I would not be surprised if you see those two teams play three times this year. Right now, they're both in great shape to make the tournament. And they are the standard of the league. The league's quietly having a nice, nice year. Top six, top seven, depending on where you look as far as conference rankings. So, you're right. That's going to be a big-time heavyweight fight on Super Sunday. Yeah, and look at uh, UCF right now in the net 32. They moved up one spot. South Florida at 39 right now, and those are the two. And those are the two big dogs out of the American right now. Because of, as I scroll down in those net rankings, uh, Houston's at 77. You know, and and, and listen, I, now I think Houston's better than that personally. Yeah, based I think on they what I saw. They- they had a couple losses that were kind of head scratching, but remember the part of the the tricky thing about it. I think Houston had some COVID issues early in the season, and that affects your performance. Obviously, you, you're shorthanded on certain players, so some of these results, it's kind of it's just 
it's a very challenging time right now to evaluate teams because of all the circumstances that they're all dealing with. Yeah. Well, first thing we got to do is take care of Cincinnati. Even though Cincy's 0-4 in the conference right now, no. you better believe, like Coach Abe said. Well, they're going to have a target on their back. I mean, they are yeah. a target. They are these people, like, they circle the UCF game in, in the league. Right. And that's, well, when you're 12 and 2 and 4 0 in the conference, yep, everyone's gunning yeah. for you. So, Agreed. three undefeated teams left in the conference right now UCF, SMU. That SMU game would have been big, too. So, that's a bummer that, well, hopefully they can get that thing rescheduled. So, we'll see. All right. We come back. Lots of news to talk about with Bryson Turner. We got tennis starting up, we got some football news to talk about. We have a UCF and women's soccer legend coming back to central florida uh lots to talk about here coming up in the next segment stick around we'll be right back this is the black and gold banneret podcast welcome back to the black and gold banneret podcast jeff sharon eric lopez with you here bryson turner joining us here for segment three as we wrap things up here lots to uh discuss here um bryson but i wanted to start with the prodigal daughter coming back home uh, to Orlando. Michelle Akers, friend of the pod, who we've had on before, is uh, is coming back to Orlando as an assistant coach with the Orlando Pride. Now, Amanda Cromwell, who used to coach at UCF and was a member of the team of Team USA back in the 90s with Michelle Akers, is now the head coach with the Pride. Um after leaving UCLA where she won a national title. And she has convinced Michelle to come down to Orlando and uh, and serve as an assistant. This is uh this is a bit of a surprise, but wow, this is really cool to have the great Michelle Akers back here in Central Florida. Oh yeah. I think it's I'm ex- I'm excited to to see her foray into coaching i mean we we've seen with the with ucf sports that former athlete like former athletes co- coming back to coach in different sports has been a thing for ucf and so uh i'm very interested so i'm very interested to see michelle Akers evolve over the course of uh, over the course of her coaching career especially since it's going to be so close to home with amanda cromwell as her as her boss so it's always nice to, it's always just nice to have homecomings we've had plenty of those this week yeah. eric this is big for the pride man i mean i mean amanda coming back is obviously huge but michelle Akers, wow i mean that's you know nothing against amanda but <laughs> this is yeah this is a blockbuster i don't think anybody saw this coming uh you know we'll have to probably post that michelle Akers interview we did with her about what was it about a year ago yeah, because uh, they were team. They're close. Obviously, they were teammates a team in the U.S. national team. It was a man. It was a, and, and this is kind of funny. If you remember in the interview, it was Michelle Akers that convinced Amanda to take the UCF head coaching job. Now, here we are a couple decades later, and it's probably Amanda convincing Michelle to come to Orlando to join her on the pride staff. I mean, it's it's full circle, man. That's uh, that is significant. And wow, a man, right now, look at UCF's soccer right here we got michelle Akers and amanda cromwell on in orlando with coach sahadak at ucf uh i i can't wait for some of those ucf reunions that's gonna be some wild but big 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 story yeah that's big so hey congrats to michelle looking forward to seeing her back here uh coaching the pride now, um, now we're gonna have to go to a pride game jeff we're gonna have to cover the i know pride. we gotta go we gotta get the band back together 
Remember, we said we want to meet her when she's in town. Well, she's now going to be in town well, now. <laughs> yeah, now we we'll have the opportunity, right? Uh, Bryson, let's talk a little track and field because uh, the track and field team opened up the outdoor season. Indoor. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Indoor season. Thank you for that. Um, Latasha Smith named the American Athletic Conference Track Athlete of the Week. She won the 400 and uh, finished in the top 10 in the 300 at the Clemson Invitational. But she wasn't the only one who had a pretty good uh, weekend, wasn't she? She had an absolutely amazing weekend. She anchored the 4 by 100 meter relay team to a fourth place finish. Well done there. She set a new personal best in the 300 meter run, finishing sixth, if I am not mistaken. Yes, she did. But the big story for her is the 400 of the 400 meters. She ran what is currently the third fastest indoor female indoor collegiate 400 meters this season with a 53.16, and it set a new school record. Wow. In, in, in the in the event like absolute absolute domination right there and she finished over a second ahead of second place who was her own teammate freshman kaya williams who also had a really great week setting some personal some personal best this week as well uh we, uh, we also have the of course the return of our girl renaya jones she mm -hmm. set some personal she set some personal best in the 60 meter hurdle and 60 meter dash she finished uh she finished in sixth overall in the in the hurdles and seventh overall in the 600 meters and she also finished eighth overall in the 200 meters so very so very nice return to action for her and jasmine scott kilgo performed very performed very well in the long jump and triple jump in the long jump she um in the long jump she was joined by uh th by three other nights in the final and she finished third and then in the in the triple jump she finished fifth which was her first ever indoor triple jump by the way so nice so nice job from her and i honestly wish i could talk about this team all day natalia madison um, in the high jump she finished eighth i mean there's just so much to talk about with this team that i could talk about it all day but I know that we've talked about the 2017 track and field team and how it's one of the one of the great teams. And I don't I'm not saying this team is stacked up to that right now because there's a lot of young faces, but I'm seeing some I think this what this what this meet shows us there's some extra talent on that team. It's not just Renaya Jones and everybody else. There's there's a ton of talent. Here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By the way, Renaya's, um not not to harp on Renaya, of course, but um, her 60 hurdles and 60 dash. Um, her team, her, her times qualified her, if I'm not mistaken, for the conference championship already in one meet in. So, um, so that's, that's, that's a big win right there for UCF, which, you know, we don't have an indoor track and field facility, right? And, and it is a little bit different out there. So for UCF to perform as well as they do in those indoor events, um, I think it's, I think it's pretty remarkable. You know, we, we used to do pretty well in the indoor when Carol Smith Gilbert was here too, and, you know, since then, it's kind of like, ah, that kind of takes a back. I think that's taken a backseat to the outdoor season, but not anymore. I, I, I think that that's, that, that's a, re a good reflection also on the coaching staff um, <clears throat> as well and what Dana Boone's been able to do. Especially when you set a couple of a couple of school records, the um, I forgot to mention Charlotte Crook set a new school record in the 1000 meters that has stood since 2007. 
and to that 2007 and then the 400 meter record that latasha smith broke has stood since 20 since february 2016 right so yeah just absolutely blown away that this is where we're at where we're at one meet in already yeah one meet in all right um men's tennis opened the season uh they were number 11 in the country uh came up short in athens against number eight georgia this was home it was home at the usta national oh it was home it was okay yeah sorry about that the um Georgia's tough, you know, it's because they're Georgia, you know, and, um, you know, it it was uh, a pretty dominant performance by the dogs. But uh, what did you see from what the what UCF was able to do in this against a pretty, uh, pretty stalwart Georgia team here? Well, I think the big thing is, is that Georgia's ranked number eight for a reason. They are a top 10 team and they showed it today. Uh, based, so it started in, with the doubles point and uh, the number the number 21 ranked pairing in the country, Trent Bright and Philip Henning beat Bogdan Pavel and Leighton Tronhe six to four, which against an unranked opponent with with a pairing that I haven't seen play together in the fall. Mm-hmm. Solid job, like um, solid job. Bogdan and Leighton are both ranked in doubles, but the, but they were paired with Trey Hildebrand on both times. So it was interesting right. to see them play together. Uh, Eric Revelius and Blake Kreuter then be Alan Rubio and Kento Yamada six to three uh, and six to three. But that unfortunately left the matchup between Tristan McCormick and Hamish Stewart and Trey Hildebrand and JC Roddick teaming up, which I thought was very interesting to see. They were tied five to five. So it was a very close match that unfortunately just wasn't finished because Georgia had already gotten the doubles point by that point other than that uh trey hildebrand uh the number 16 ranked singles player in the country fell short of number 62 ranked trent bride uh six to three in the first set and seven to six in the second set georgia's got four guys in the top 110 here you know i mean like they're they're stacked they're they're top top to bottom i think george if I had to go top to bottom, I think Georgia is probably the better team. I think Trey Hildebrand, if you take like the top players on our team, I think several of them are good. They're better than some of the top players on Georgia's team. But if you go top to bottom and you have Blake Kreuter at 110 and he beat JC Roddick six to two in the first set, seven to five in the second set. Um, Alan Rubio did put up a good fight as well against number 32 ranked Hamish Stewart. Uh, but luckily, they did avoid the sweep. Bogdan Bavel got the win over Miguel Perez Pena in three sets. So it's a rough start, but you know, Coach John Roddick, like we've said it before, uh, he's, it's, tr- he's, it's early, it's early, yeah, man. Right, right. John but, but hey, no rest for the weary though, because they got number three Florida coming up in Gainesville on Saturday yeah. too. So Oof. you know, again, that's that's gonna you know, it's it always comes down to the rankings. Uh, women's tennis, by the way. They start their season uh, in uh, at the uh, USTA National Campus. They're starting the season ranked uh, number twelve, if I'm not mistaken. Eleven here. Oh, they, they are eleventh. Okay, they, they were. Wow, tied. they didn't even play, and they moved up a spot. <laughs> I think it was just breaking a tie. I think that I think that was it. Maybe Georgia Tech played. I haven't seen it, but they're ranked. But the tie got with Georgia Tech got broken, and they're ranked eleven now, which is it's nice because it's nice. I like it when they are able to sort that out. Yeah. I'll take it, uh, Eric. What do we got? Uh, what else we got going on here for uh, as well? Because you know, I mean, as we move toward the spring, um, got a little football. We got some guys coming back. Yeah, we got. We, well, we got one guy coming in and another guy coming back. All right. First, yep. the uh, Newt Wilson's coming back, and he announced that on Instagram uh, actually earlier today, and that's big for UCF's defensive secondary because. 
Um, you know, he had he had one more year of eligibility to go. We weren't sure if he was going to take it. You know, I thought that he was just so steady back there, just like we thought he would be. Um, transferred in from Bama, remember? Um, and he's been a real joy to watch back there, I'll tell you. And uh, a, a a a explosive tackler. I I I've really liked watching him back there. And to get him back for one more year in Travis Williams' defense, that's big for that defense, isn't it? It is. Get that experience back there in the secondary in particular. I think he really uh, clicked on all cylinders from that point on. And, uh, yeah, anytime you could get that talent back, get that experience, that leadership in the secondary, it's huge for this team. Devon Wilson transfer from Georgia, by the way, not Bama. Georgia, I'm sorry. I couldn't remember. Who's the guy who came in from Alabama? You're thinking about your defensive back, your boy at the Giants there. That's what you're thinking about. I That's think. right, Aaron Robinson. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. Um, the other uh, newcomer who came in, uh, well, I call him a newcomer, but this guy's a, this guy's a veteran. Um, and we saw him in the bowl game, Kimor Gamble, 6'4", tight end from Miami Southridge, uh, who played uh, for four years, actually five years um, in Florida. His first year as a Gator was 2017. He was a redshirt that year. Um 80 cat or, 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 or what do you call it? he had um last season 31 catches for 414 yards and four touchdowns uh including one catch again in the bowl game against UCF but um this guy's a big target now we got a tight end coming in Eric this is this is this is another another transfer portal ad for uh for uh, Gus Malzahn man this is and this is an offensive one this is going to help out too Probably the most t- talented tight end they've had since Jordan Akins. Uh, wow, be really? The, I really do. I really do. This is a big, a sneaky, really good. I mean, to get a Gator to come here is amazing, first of all. But second of all, yeah, he's super talented. I think he'll help him in the run blocking standpoint. He'll help him as a, a target and use the tight end more. Uh, boy, that, you're right. With him, that's a big, big move there. And getting Kobe as well with Auburn. I mean, all of a sudden – that skill position that people were quest wondering about, you know, this is again, yeah. which is why you have to, you can't evaluate the transfer portal until the end because you're going to lose some, but you're going to gain some. And it's just a matter of how does it all play out at the end. And I think UCF's Gus is doing a nice job here at the portal and being a nice pickup there at tight end. Yeah, that's uh, so I'm looking forward to that. By the way, um, our thoughts are out to Christy Malzahn who uh, was in the hospital, came out this week that she's hospitalized with some kind of infection. They weren't, they weren't clear about what it was, but, um, you know, hey, listen, anytime that happens, that kind of stuff is scary. So our best to Christy and, and all the Malzahn family, hoping she gets through okay um, and, uh, and is recovering quickly. So, uh, Christy, we're thinking about you. Um, last thing we want to talk about, Bryson, um, cheer and dance in the UCA UDA Kind of a disappointing finish for uh, the cheerleading team who, uh, I mean, they finished in the top five, but they were first coming out of the semis, right? And, uh, wow, South Florida, two in a row for the Bulls. Um, you know, we thought that last year we would just chalk it up to COVID. No, they're for real, man. Um, what's going on there? Well, looking at it, I mean, they had a great, they had a great perform, performance in, in the semis. Um, but I think what's important to look at is there are two scores in these things. There's the raw score and the event score. The raw score basically, ta- basically accounts for how difficult a routine is. So the a routine is, while the event score is more like, regardless of what you did, how well did you do it? So w- in the finals, UCF high, had the highest raw score 
The problem is, is that they also had the second most um, point deduction, the second largest. So they definitely messed up somewhere in there. While USF, they had a, a solid raw score, 93.9, not that far below UCF, and they had zero deductions. So from what we're seeing here, UCF just attempted a really difficult routine and it didn't really, really work out. While USF did a slightly less difficult routine, but did it pretty much perfectly. And that's what got and that's what got them to win there. That's what always happens, right? It's like you got to hit. You got to hit in the finals and UCF hit in the semis, but like a bobble here, a bobble there. I mean, that's what happened with Kentucky. Kentucky's up there every year. They had a really rough go at it, right? I mean, they finished, I think, in seventh. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, eighth. They eighth. finished eighth. Okay. So, like, that's a big upset, you know, and, and to see them to see them fall down. I mean, you, how many national championships have they won over the years? I mean, like dozens. So, so yeah, it's just I said this on Twitter, man, and, and it bears true. Like, UCF cheerleading has the toughest the toughest road to a championship of any team that UCF has. Why? They have three minutes. All these other teams have how many games, right? Plus the postseason. This team's got three minutes. Three minutes to show your best. And that's it. But Dance night, night moves. Under best finish head, yet. Under first-year head coach Joyce Winter, by the way. Uh, the UCF dance team is very active on Instagram and not Twitter, I have learned. Hmm. So um, Joyce Winter came in in July 21st, so not even a full year in. And she is our, and she has gotten night moves to their highest ever finish in the hip hop category in program history. And you can watch the full routine on 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 their Instagram. They posted it, and and well done. I mean, they basically uh, in the finals they they finished with they had a hundred three point four raw score, finished with an eighty nine point nine one three event score. The winner ended up being LSU with a hundred and twelve, but that uh that's some progress right there that's progress yeah. you know i feel like night moves always gets underappreciated sometimes because they're kind of in the shadow of the cheer team but they do a phenomenal job year in and year out they've always been national competitors and it's tough in dance man it's it but congratulations to them on a job uh well done so all right well what- I'm just excited to see what they're going to do in the future because this is just the first time that Joyce Winter has headed this program into the into the national championship, yeah. and they managed to do and in the hip hop category, they managed to do better than any other team has in history. So yeah. great job! That's going to be fun to see them uh, advancing. You know, we see them in basketball all the time, just like the cheer team. We saw the routines and uh, you know that that the cheer team is doing. It looked a little rough there initially for the cheer team, but man, did they pull it together toward the end when we saw them in basketball and. Um, and, and that was good. Such a bummer that, that, you know, they finished where they did because I thought they did a phenomenal job, really grew a lot in the last couple weeks. You know, right at the very end, they were pulling some stuff together. So that was fun. All right. So let's finish this thing up here, Eric and Bryson. Uh, you can follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow Bryson at It's Bryson Turner. Uh, follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. And follow us collectively at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. Uh, here on uh, here on Black and Gold Banneret. You can also follow us, of course, at blackandgoldbanneret.com, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret as well. Huge thanks to Coach Abe for joining us at Coach underscore Abe, A-B-E, on Twitter uh, to follow the latest with her. Of course, UCF underscore WBB. Thanks again to Megan Herbaugh for helping us out. 
and getting uh, Coach Aben in her very busy schedule. I swear the only way we would have gotten her, Eric, is if they had a game postponed and all of a sudden they were looking for something to do. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. That's called creative scheduling on the fly. That's what yes. it is. <laughs> I don't know how they were able to do it. But, uh, uh, but yeah, thanks, Darren. Uh, it'll be fun to watch them uh, this coming weekend as they take on Cincinnati with a little bit of revenge on their minds. All right, that'll do it for us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. For Bryson and Eric, I'm Jeff. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the weekend. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'll catch you later. 